0: Welcome, Joe. It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. When I stumbled across your TikTok account, I think I heard one of your videos on changing our perspective on life as opposed to just trying to change our life. You can go more into that later, but I heard your words and I thought, okay, I resonate so much with this guy. Then found out about your own story and the immense grief, actually, that you had suffered through, but what beauty and now impact you are having not only in your own life but on other people as well through the triumph of coming out of that so i would love for you to start by telling me a little bit about this situation that you found yourself in about 10 years ago with your ex-wife when she was diagnosed with cancer
1: yeah so so it all began in basically like i'll just go all the way back back but we were together for about nine years. And then we got married in Costa Rica in 2011. It was super magical. And then we got home from that destination wedding and having that week with family and friends and all the adventure and beauty there was just awesome. And shortly after her father was diagnosed with cancer, with glioblastoma, which if anybody's familiar, it's terminal cancer. There's really not a lot that can be done. And so we had like a six month window where it was like we were married for six months yes we were together for a long time but it's just like bam right into like adulthood you know like one of the parents has cancer and so things got elevated very seriously very quickly and then Jess started feeling a little weird she started noticing lymph nodes had been inflamed on her end and so then she got it checked out in 2012 january she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer
0: wow it
1: was stage three b or four but we were just like, are you kidding me? You know, And her dad was getting worse and worse and worse. And so then we were kind of making trips back and, back and forth there, but we had to take her treatment as really, truly, truly serious. And so we didn't like all the traditional stuff of like radiation and chemotherapy because we owned a health and wellness business and Jess was a holistic practitioner. And so we didn't want to do the whole like chemo bomb and hoping it would get to the root of the, the cancer problem. So we went to Houston, explored some options, we fertilized embryos and it was tremendously difficult, but she was asymptomatic. And there was this one in the, uh, I don't know, a hundred thousand shot that she would be approved for this gene targeted therapy. And so we were like really hoping because we're getting all these no's in Houston about them being like, yeah, it would be traditional chemo. That would be the best. And so just because this ties into my spiritual journey and everything, but I remember like visualizing celebrating the good news and like rapping on the window and calling her out and picking her up and spinning her around in the garden and celebrating that. I had this like visualization and there was just something very unique and powerful about it like beyond a dream or a memory and I remember I was praying for her to get it accepted into this program and she did and I remember collapsing to my knees when I found out because I was so overjoyed and I committed mm-hmm. to the spiritual path to God. At that point, it was very different than what I believe it is now, but it was very much this devotion that was established. And then I went and rapped on the window and called her outside and told her the good news and spun her around and we cried and we flew home the next day because the gene targeted trial was in Chicago out of all places. So we got to go home. and. She was told to be in remission and we were exuberant, but we happened to lose her father. And so we had to go through all that very, very hard and life progressed on. We got back into a normal routine, but then she got sick one day and we took her to the hospital. We thought it was food poisoning. And then they discovered dozens of tumors in her brain. So the treatment was successful, but not in blocking the cancer from going to the blood brain barrier. And now it was like all hands on deck. Immediate brain surgery had to be done. She was rushed to another hospital. And that was like the stone tipped over the edge of what would be probably the most anxiety-ridden, fear-based existence that I had ever known. Every step of the way was this like battling mortality because the cancer was just thriving now. So we came together as a family and I cared for her and bathed her and you become that caretaker and it was extraordinarily challenging because I had to put on that like mask of positivity and and beauty and encouragement and inspiration and motivation with her all the time, as much as I possibly could. But behind the shadows, I was just supremely terrified because you know, when you find your partner, your entire life, you don't really realize it at the time, but your entire life is like based on this one known factor like no matter what happens in life i got her and she has me you have this like constant and then especially after
0: you... that being six months or so after that you had become, yeah you'd married each other and you yeah. made that commitment so that would obviously be very fresh as well
1: yeah absolutely and now it's you know i don't know what it was uh basically like three years later after we were married, now we're in the thick of it, It's like 2014, and it's like our whole marriage has been this very big struggle with health. And we had a great run before that being engaged and, and dating and living with each other for a long time. But it was just like, it was beautiful in its own respect too, because we had like surface grievances with each other. I was short-tempered, she couldn't be criticized, whatever it was. And that stuff was just like incinerated, like anything on the surface, just incinerated because when you're facing mortality, none of that stuff matters. It's You're having this deeper understanding conversations, love and commitment. And so it was just very, very challenging, you know, going to and from the ER constantly. I probably spent 60 nights in the hospital with her and just all the treatments, all the pain, and just trying to maintain any kind of like semblance of of quality of life and and health. And I never really saw that it was going to end with her passing. It was the biggest fear, but I kind of like never really believed it. But then they told me, well, things got real bad i had to rush her to the er again and we had some conscious moments there before she was induced into a coma and we did express our love for one another you know i held her hands we were both insanely terrified she couldn't breathe it was very traumatic and I just said i love you and those were the last words and then three days later i had to pull her off life support because the doctor said she's not in there anymore
0: oh joe that makes me feel so tearful Goodness! Yeah, what a thing I'm to go sorry. through. Yeah, wow. But
1: the first kind of anomaly with the physical earthly realm and the, a synchronicity that I came to know it as being such was that she passed at three twenty-five a.m., which our wedding anniversary was March twenty-fifth, and so it was just odd that that time coincided with our anniversary and. So then I was just this kind of like this husk of a man now because, like, you're fighting everything for this, and then it's like it's just gone, and that person's gone. It's like you don't even know what to do with yourself. Everything just basically dimmed in life, like, everything just fell into this black and white perspective. And it was excruciating. But I think three days after she passed, I still had her cell phone. You know, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I don't need to, you know, have her cell phone, I'll turn that off right away. It's like anything was a part of her and you didn't want to let that go. And so this tremendously like grieving man, but I get a text message from one of her friends and it was like, Hey honey, thinking about you just checking in, seeing how you're doing. And I had to tell this person. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be a friend of hers who was living in Spain at the time. And so I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Jessica actually passed three days ago. And she's like Okay, I know this is going to sound weird, but a lot of things are making sense for me. But I'm a spiritual medium, and your wife is coming to me to speak to you. So, like, my analytical mind is like, okay, crazy lady, like, what can I help you with? But my grieving heart was like, tell me more. (laughs) You know, like, what did she have to say? And so she said, the first message Jessica wants you to know is that you should write a book. And that didn't make any sense. So I just shelved that. I go, okay. And she's like, the second message is that she wants you to read a book, The Afterlife of Billy Fingers. And for those of you who aren't familiar with it, basically, it's it's a gentleman who passes away. He has a very challenging life in and out of addiction and just getting himself into trouble constantly. But he has a really bonded relationship with his sister. And he passes but he's able to communicate what happens in the beyond with his sister who's still here living her life questioning her reality because her brother is coming to her very vividly and expressing the details of the afterlife. And so it was really hard for me to read on one end but then very illuminating but my grief was too uh too basically fresh. raw and yeah. fresh. Thank you. And so it was hard to grasp, but it made a profound difference because I quit my job, kept everything in storage, dissolved our health and wellness company. And I bought a one-way ticket to Columbia. I was just going to start traveling and volunteering and just trying to give back, find meaning, soul search. I just couldn't stay where I was and try to be like, go back to work in Chicago where everything reminded me of her and us with our tenure there. And then I continued traveling all, all through South America. But then my grief became too much. I was helping other people, volunteering with like sick children, burn unit in hospitals, teaching abused women self defense in Bolivia so they could defend themselves from their drunken husbands, just like. Crazy stuff, little I mean, kids what, being
0: what was motivating that for you at its core joe
1: uh i th- I just needed to do something good and to distract my pain and by doing something for others and i couldn't think of like getting a job it didn't feel good enough. it felt like I was wasting my life away. I needed to do something like exceptionally compassionate to feel that in the act of doing that to help fill the void of anguish and darkness and, and hate and just lack of luster for life. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was good, but I was very unstable. So I was kind of like the whole time I was going through different countries in Ecuador and Peru and ending up in Bolivia, I was doing good, but it was like a spiritual tank was just like you know, just dwindling little by little. And then physically I just got really, really sick. In, in Bolivia. And I remember this was like my big decision, my new beginnings moment, if you will. And I was laying in the bed, literally everything coming out of me every way possible <laughs> for days. And I'm like, I can't live like this anymore.
0: And how and long was that after Jessica had passed?
1: Probably three months. And it was a very illuminating moment because it was like, i had to figure out how to live again and i did not know what that looked like but the desire to live a different way was something fresh and exciting because everything that i saw in my life was without her so every aspect every experience every facet of life was diluted when
0: did you (laughs) actually face grief full-on because i'm sure that's a key part what did that look like for you and was that being really sad or angry or lashing out or what what was the release there every
1: day every day so it wasn't like because you would get these flood of different emotions so it's not like i was ignoring my grief i was journaling and being very vulnerable like putting all stuff on facebook and people were reading my journals and a lot of support and love there and i would just tell them like what's going on in my heart and and i would tie in memories and that's when i started writing i started cathartically pouring my heart there too, but also I liked the the artistic aspect of like creating this story, this message for others to, to, you know, just enjoy and learn a bit about your struggle. So I was very much processing my grief as best I could, but I was also doing something too challenging in my life traveling and the constant, I needed like routine and stability. So we went back to Chicago, and this was a kind of a cool story. I didn't tell anybody, we didn't, nobody really knew we were home. And that spiritual medium, her name's Tanya Melendez, she was with me every step of the way, like telling me messages from Jess constantly Hey, Jess wants you to know this. Hey, did you see a butterfly today? Like, yeah, one landed on my shoulder. She's like, that was her, like stuff that would just flood my life and she was such a constant force of like compassion all for free all from love all just because she's this supremely gifted medium and so i went back home and it was freezing in chicago because it was like december time and i had already made this decision like before even landing i think i'm going to go live in costa rica for a little bit like there's something about that place. It meant a lot. We got married there. And I, I feel like that'll be the space I can go and just exist on my own and do what I need to do. The real hard work. And so that I'm in Chicago and it's freezing. The wind is whipping about my ears feel like they're going to be like blown off my head and it's zero degrees. Right. And I'm like, man, should I go get some of those little earmuff things that you would, you need something in Chicago. And I'm like, but I'm moving to Costa Rica in like a week. I'm not going to need them there, you know? And so I'm walking down the street, like just in this pain and everything, covering my ears. And Tanya texts me. She would just text me what she heard from Jess. She wouldn't try to explain what it meant. Because if it meant something to me, then good. And she just goes, Jessica told me to tell you to cover your ears. And it's like, she was living in Spain, didn't know I was in Chicago, thinking I'm in Bolivia. And you just got these messages and you just know there's something beyond that
0: i mean what did this do for the possible inner skeptic in you or you said before the analytical mind because <clears throat> i I mean i resonate with that completely i think i yeah. still am all over the place and not knowing what to believe and then i hear these stories of course i don't think people really get it until they live it especially if you're that way yeah. inclined like oh i don't know but what did Very that do for so. you did, did that develop into a sense of trust and faith that perhaps wasn't present. Yeah, that skeptic,
1: that skeptic part of me was like left in, in South America. Like it just, I wasn't a skeptic anymore. There's too many things that were coincidental that were happening on a regular basis where I was just like, "This is, this is." There's just another world beyond this, and she's there. I don't have to know everything about it, but I know that this was one very, very vitally important thing for me that because I was not a religious man. I was not a god-fearing, god-loving man before. It just wasn't part of my bandwidth and frequency before. I got into stuff through her journey to help support her, but I really didn't believe in it. I just didn't care. But through this process, that was actually the one of the biggest weights because I was having bad dark thoughts about like how long can I continue to live like this and am I going to have to take action and and kind of stop this and one thing that was very, very clear is if Jess was here and she passed away, and now she's communicating with me through dreams, the messages, these signs, the medium, that means she's somewhere else. And every time I experience something, she's good. She's in a really nice space. She's happy, fulfilled, abundant, whatever it is, she's doing way better than I am. That means that she was here and I'm here that means to me i must be here for a reason because wherever she is is better so it's almost like she chose to come here which Mm -hmm. means would we be that different that i must have chosen to be here so that i cannot waste this whatever it is i don't have to figure it out right now but that was a very beautiful thing to figure out to be like there is meaning to this life and so you're gonna have to find that and that was one of the forces of that discovery that ignited me to move forward on into this like spiritual quest in space and so i was already meditating a little bit but just jumped into that moved to costa rica to this place nosara got a little place a lot of adventure a lot of stories there but that was like where my own Journey really launched because I was learning all about the power of my mind and perception and different spiritual practices and methods. And I just studied Buddhism, Taoism, Hinduism, Aedas, and Sufism, and all this different stuff, just learning, 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 learning. Cause like I don't want to like go sit there and watch Seinfeld all day after you learn about like reincarnation and like how to access past lives and control your mind, astral project, and all this like a beautiful stuff so i just learned and it really clicked and a lot of stuff made sense and i started retraining my mind
0: so really what was this new beginning for you so i hear that you're there was an opening intellectually what else
1: the number one new beginning i think if i had to put it all together was that i believed that this wasn't my first Chance at life in a sense that I had reincarnated. And so that I had chosen this life to endure certain stuff, to learn from certain stuff. That was one aspect. And the other aspect was that I'm learning the power of my mind and my spirit. Now, with the life I have left to live, I can train my mind and my spirit to live a very particular kind of existence and get rid of basically what I was doing was reducing or eliminating anxiety and stress and panic and worrying and depression and fear and anger like little by little like the attrition of all that very negative emotion so that was illuminating because i was like i have control i have power i just have to learn how to influence my mind to free myself of those bad things and knowing that this wasn't the only life was very fruitful for me because it just helped elevate my spirit. So the whole like new beginning for me was just into this whole unknown oasis of, of spirituality, of mindset, even manifestation, reincarnation, and so much more stuff. Then started writing that book that she yes. told me to write at the very first message. I self-published and everything and released like two months ago. It's called Dreams of Antiquity, The Awakening. And now I'm teaching people how to train their mind, how to connect and make that deeper spiritual connection and helping to transform their lives. So it's crazy, you know, when you step back and look at like, whoa, that's, this all happened in like eight years, so much change and so much growth. And now I am engaged to a woman. We've been engaged for a couple of years now, and we have a beautiful little boy together, nearly 10 months old, little Oliver Holden. And we're, very very happy working on our own stuff and and growing together it's just a whole new chapter in this life and I'm very very present very grateful for everything I experienced with my late wife with Jess and equally so being present with Suzanne and Oliver and here and now and helping others I mean
0: what a massive step to get to that point where you can say you're grateful for what you've experienced in this hardship and i think so many people can't see that you know like that feels so far-fetched and i mean Mm -hmm. i felt like that in ways with what i had with the separation with my ex-partner and a lot of legal difficulties and things that really emotionally challenged me and really forced me actually to look deeper within myself and it sets you on a different path but somehow there's something that feels so right about that path yeah that is maybe we, it's going that meaning and that purpose that you're talking about
1: absolutely it's but it's hard to see that like it's hard to see that while you're in it like why should i be grateful this is so challenging this hurts me emotionally physically mentally spiritually like this is anguished but if you find and you can train your perspective to look outside of those places and into what am i gaining what am I not having to endure anymore? What am I fighting for? What is on the horizon? It's literally attachment, Buddhist attachment. If you look at what life is and stop looking at what you're missing in life, in time, you can train your mind to come to a place of presence and gratitude. And that will always elevate your frequency, your vibration, just your emotions to feel better about life and to feel better about yourself. If you look at who you are and what you have, you're always going to win and feel pretty special. If you look at what you don't have and what you have yet to accomplish, you're going to feel lack and suffering. Yeah. It's about perspective, but it's hard because the mind goes, look at all this stuff that other people have. Look at all you're enduring. Look at all that you don't have. And so it's about training the mind so that you can have that elevated perspective. And it's challenging, but yeah. it can be done.
0: Yes, and kind of full circle there, going back to what I said at the start that made me contact you, where you said, stop trying yeah. to change your life, instead elevate your perspective to change your life. And that's exactly what you're saying now, right?
1: Yeah, that's it on the money but it's like that may as well be like an, a quote on instagram you're like cool that sounds great and then you like go back and you're like anxiety stress panic worry anger you know so yeah it's, it's hard but in practice
0: no. it's so much more difficult it makes me think of i think it came across a Meme or something that made me smirk the other day, and it was talking about getting through a difficult chapter in your life. And it just said, Just think, this is just the shitty part of your memoir. And like <laughs> somehow that really helped me that it was like, yeah, Okay. Yeah every good memoir will have yep. the hardship. It's like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, right? There will be <coughs> the step formula with the characters meet, they fall in love, they have a difficulty, they come out the other end of it. And it's so true. So I try and remind myself of that sometimes. Shitty yeah, you, you the memoir, shitty you the memoir? <laughs>
1: you need it, you need it. You need it or else it's kind of a boring story. There's no adventure, there's no, you know, growth there. I remember reading and I didn't get it back then but i read the power of now eckhart tolle like i don't know 15 years ago or whatever it was and i was sitting on a park bench in chicago looking at lake michigan and he said like every awakening everybody who's reading this book is probably going to go through something at some point or already has that is so challenging and it's so torturous And it serves as the catalyst for you to absolutely change your life. But if you don't have that thing, you just keep going on, living your life, like kind of not judging anybody else, but that mundane existence of, you know, going out and drinking and this, you know, it, you're not looking for that deeper kind of experience, but the pain mounts and mounts and mounts and mounts, and you have to make a choice. Do I want to continue living this way and suffering as such, or do I want to discover a new way to live a new beginnings? And so that pain is a gift because it is the one thing that caused you to get to where you are, which is an elevated place where you're experiencing more beauty. So it's not where you go back and be like, oh my, that was the most horrible thing. You're like, that was the thing that got me. That was the the catalyst that I needed to fight for myself. And now look how I feel about myself. Look what I have. Look who I am. Look who I'm with all because of that. So you almost can look back and honor that season. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you can have that perspective, you truly free yourself of the grief because you come to love the fact that it got you to where you are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's why I've mentioned a few times about the importance of what I call like a reverse gratitude practice, which is actually reflecting on periods of your past where something didn't work out as you hoped or planned or expected, Mm -hmm. and that caused you discomfort or pain or frustration in that moment, only to fast forward several months or years or however much time to go, wow. God, I'm so glad that happened. Yeah, and, yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's like yeah. sometimes having those moments and actually noting that down, and, ha- and I've done that for myself, you know, I have it in mm-hmm. a journal, a point to reflect on when I'm going, oh, this isn't working out how I want it to do and it's causing me like, uh, in this exact moment, go, who am I to judge right now? I might be thanking yep. this in a year's time. And that has yeah. happened to me countless times and I hear it with other people in this podcast as well. So it's yeah. something Absolutely. I keep coming back to.
1: It's just the way to perceive it. Like I tell my clients this too, because I'm a mentor now and, and and teach this and it's hard, it's challenging, but like it can set you free because then you're not like fighting. You're not like, Rah, why this season, this chapter, this episode in life is so challenging. You're like, well, I'm probably gonna be grateful for it later. So let's just try to be grateful now.
0: Yeah, the trusting, the letting go and going yeah. back to what you said before about, you know, energy or vibrations, uh, according to certain emotions. I even had this myself last week, where I had a marked difference, I had realized I'd had a period of fear based thinking, quite honestly, yeah. where I got stuck in this in old, old patterns of thinking, I am not going I'm not good enough, I'm not going to be successful mm-hmm. enough, maybe I don't have quite as many followers as I want yet, yeah, all of this quantitative stuff that really just doesn't mean anything but it put me in a state of fear and -hmm. for some reason I had a total shift I don't know what instigated that but I had about two days where I felt this very calm relaxed place of trust really and faith and inspired peace and I could take that kind of action from that point. And I kid you not, I had like several people message me agreeing to be on the podcast at the exact same moment. Mm
1: -hmm. I had
0: a message from somebody that totally was like, what the hell is this happening right now? And I think that was another thing I wrote down. I said, I gotta get someone to talk about this manifestation or law of attraction thing because I think there's something in it.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I teach all about that too, because it is, it's everything that you're talking about is dialing into the way you feel And that is your basically your compass. You feel good, you're drawing in, you're actually on a quantum level, manipulating your reality to embody the way you feel. And if you feel bad, you're manifesting that as well. And you're creating more more of that kind of hardship in a sense. So it's all, I think, about the mindset, connecting to spirit, but tuning in to knowing your power. And knowing there's a lag time people always be like well i want manifestation because i i I want the winning lottery ticket i want this that and the other and i want it now but you ask yourself do you want that because you're trying to escape something that you hate yeah that is lack and suffering because if you are then you're embodying that energy and that's what you're attracting but if you want that thing because you know it's going to heal you and you can find some gratitude now then you're gonna draw it in, but it's all about the, the driving forces within yourself, how you're feeling.
0: Yeah, love that point, Joe. Can you like literally reiterate that? I think it is so important that what you're saying yeah. there about attempting to manifest something. So somebody now listening, perhaps they're setting or have set a goal for themselves, something they want to happen in their life. What do you say that they need to look at there regarding lack and suffering? Yeah,
1: so the best the best analogy I can come up with on the spot is a lot of people want a better job. They want that dream career or they want to start their own business. Okay. So that's a beautiful goal to have and you can manifest that. But what is the driving force behind that? Are you at a job now where it sucks and your boss is a jerk and you just hate it and you want to get away? That is the embodiment of how you feel your beliefs, what you're thinking about, what you're talking about, what you're expressing on a regular basis. I hate work, I don't like this. And so you want that other job, but that is just escapism. You want that thinking that that is going to be better than what you have now. It's a trap of the ego. So the energy that you're broadcasting is lack and suffering because you are feeling that you were in our space of lack and suffering. But, and I have helped endless clients with this who have gotten out of their jobs make more money, better job, better benefits, better place by doing this one simple thing. Stop looking at everything that's going wrong in your job and missing the current one because you're looking outside of what is real. You want it to be more than what it is. If you come and be like, well, actually, I really do get along with Cindy at work. I I have that good relationship. Write that down. I'm grateful for Cindy. She makes me feel funny. And you know what? My commute is only 20 minutes or I work from home. You know, I get a really good health, health package. I I get an hour lunch. Just start finding the stuff that makes you feel at peace or above pleasure, joy, happiness, delight, excitement, and notate that when you experience something like that at the job. What you're doing is you're taking your frequency, your vibration on an emotional level from lack and suffering and you're elevating it to gratitude. So then you're coming to a place of gratitude for your current job, even though your boss still sucks, there's other aspects of it that are really great. And we're elevating our perspective to see that stuff instead of everything that's missing and then through the right kind of methodologies and visualization, but also just like knowing that that dream job is on your horizon starting your own business and being grateful for that, envisioning yourself, entering that space. And then the vital part is asking yourself, what can I do today to make that transition? What can I do to take the first step? And when you take that step and you're successful, okay, what's the next step? And so you continue that progress, but continue every day to find gratitude in the space you're at, you are becoming this magnet because you're elevating yourself by coming to gratitude and presence, which is the mindful, like Buddhist presence or Taoist presence for the now, for your current reality, while attracting or manifesting another one, but that one waiting there on the horizon will not bring you fulfillment. Because you've already found the fulfillment in here and now mm-hmm. so that is just an extension of your already fulfilled abundant lifestyle and so that is the basically essence of becoming really good at using the law of attraction and vibration and manifesting something but it starts in your mind mm-hmm. and the problem with people their big hiccups and blocks is that they believe something about themselves or about their life that is not true a limiting belief and so they've established something like, I'm not good looking enough. I don't have enough followers. I don't do this. It's basically you're stacking up evidence on what is not real. And then you're breathing life into that. And you're saying, this is how I feel about this now. And there's no evidence of it. It's not true. You just establish that within yourself based on trauma and social conditioning and, and your family and all this stuff. And you can eliminate that belief, replace it with something better and absolutely transform your life.
0: So what would that look like in in practice? So let's run with this job idea. They want to have a new job, something better mm-hmm. that isn't happening already, and they're trying to do this stuff to elevate where they're how they're feeling about it, to express more gratitude. But then when they think about taking that action, they have a thought that comes up, it doesn't they don't necessarily say it, but oh, who do you think you are to apply for that? You're not ready for that yet. Yeah. Or so, anything that manifests in that moment that the thought comes up even if they replace it afterwards with stop it stop it you're doing that critical no. thing again.
1: So what there's actually I have a step-by-step process that I outline for my clients. I'll share it with you now because this is my passion in life. But one, first start a gratitude practice. So get a journal, blank journal. Every single day, write out 10 things that you are grateful for experiencing, especially in the scope of your job. So, if you're going into your job and your commute is half an hour, be like, I'm grateful my commute is only half an hour. It gives me me time, listen to an audiobook. I'm grateful for blank because it makes me feel blank. This is crucial because we are literally transforming our perspective in the moment now to see things that are beautiful and feel good about them. That's the first step.
0: And to add on to that, I love that you're emphasizing the why here, the because. That's like a a crucial ingredient of Mm -hmm. that, isn't it? Not just like, I'm so glad I have a nice warm bed at night or I have a cup of coffee in the morning. It's like, but why? What is that actually bringing to your life? Yeah.
1: And you're deepening that level of gratitude. And people always think, well, when am I supposed to express gratitude? Like when somebody pays me a compliment or gives me a gift? That doesn't happen very often. No, it's anytime you are experiencing a peaceful moment. Peace is your foundation, anything less than peace you're suffering, you know, anger, depression, sadness, anxiety, etc. Anything above peace is joy, pleasure, delight, excitement, happiness. So anytime you experience peace or above, be grateful for that experience. So if I'm walking to work and a bird flies over my head and it's beautiful. And the sun's coming through the clouds, I'm grateful for this moment. It's not like I was gifted this but it's a beautiful, peaceful moment that I'm grateful for experiencing. So that's the key. So I'm grateful for that moment because it brought me peace. I'm grateful for booking that vacation because it brought me excitement. So you're notating all these beautiful moments instead of going around looking to be upset. Oh, this person cut me in line. This person, you know, cut me off in traffic. They're out of the milk at the store. You're like, oh, well, they actually have the other things that I want. You know, it's all training the perspective. But to answer your question, when you establish that, you'll notice a shift in like a week if you do that gratitude journal, 10 things at the end of your day, before you go to bed, write them down that what you experienced and tell yourself to look for 10 new things each and every day. Never stop doing that. I think Oprah still does that. So if that tells you anything, okay, so (laughs) keep doing that. But then there are different thought processes for retraining your mind, depending on what emotion you are experiencing. There are certain emotions that we experience that are tethered to the past, to our current reality, and then to the future. The future one that you expressed was anxiety. I'm not good enough, uh, you know, I'll never perform well, who am I to apply for that job? Depending on the emotion, there's a step-by-step process. So you're going to one is observe that you're thinking something that makes you feel bad. The emotion is the siren. Kind of like if I'm about to cross the street and I hear a siren, I stop, I pause because I don't want to get run over by an ambulance or a police car. So the emotion that you feel that is negative is your cause to pause and you stop and go, okay, I'm observing what anxiety or defeat. Okay. So that one, step one, you're already doing Two, reward yourself. If I want to train a dog not to pee on the carpet, I have to show it where it's allowed to pee and then I reward it. Same thing with the mind. You're not allowed to think this negative thing. So just catching yourself. Good job, Joe. I see that you are triggered and now we can come to peace. Step two, reward. Step three, center. The present moment is your salvation. Whenever you are thinking in the past or the future or of something not tethered to the present, you're probably going to be suffering in that negative space if you're not thinking something good. So 10 deep breaths look around in the immediate environment, what are 10 things you see? What are three things you are touching or that are touching you, physical contact? What are two things you hear? What is one thing you smell? What you're doing is you're bombarding that thinking mind with task of gathering information. You're like, go solve this problem. It can't think all these negative thoughts, like I'm not good enough and this, that, and the other, if it has to gather all this information while taking 10 deep breaths, I'm coming to presence. But we had a negative thought and now we took ourselves from that negative space to a neutral space which is peace but that's not strong enough for a mind that's trained to be negative and think limitations about ourselves so now we have to take it up even higher to counter the scales and bring it back to equilibrium so step four you're going to detect well if i'm having anxiety about a future reality that has not yet to exist any kind of considerations about the future are you're going to get emotions of anxiety, panic, worry, stress, angst. You feel one of those you're thinking about a future that you can't really need to worry about. And you just make this Testament. I tell your my clients, we do not project a future of negativity. It's just something we don't do. It's like showing up to the office at work with no pants on. You just don't do that. Okay. We don't need to talk about why everybody knows. You just don't do that. So you do not project a negative future. You project a positive one or a neutral one. But when your mind does that and it goes, "Yeah, you're going to fail. You go, okay, I see that I'm projecting a, a negative future. So instead recreate that projection in a positive lighting, ask yourself, what is the absolute best way that this can turn out? Then you visualize that you say, actually, what if I'm really successful? And you close your eyes, take a deep breath. You visualize first person experiencing, running that successful business, having that dream job, getting excited, go to work, have like three little scenes and just, you know, especially if it's a common thing that drives a lot of anxiety on a regular basis, have three quick scenes where you feel really empowered and inspired and grateful and allow yourself to kind of authentically like daydream in that space and then come to gratitude for who you are and what you have. That's the last step. And ask I yourself, like
0: that. I haven't had that before. What am I
1: grateful for? And so what you've done is you've taken that negative thought and you've tra- tra- trained your mind. We don't think that negative thought, but the conversation never stops there, right? Where the ego is like, okay, nice try. You suck. You know, you're going to fail. And so you take it from that negative space to a neutral space. Then with the gratitude and the visualization, you come to this positive space. And what you're doing through that process too is you're elevating your vibration and frequency and according to the laws over there you're actually manifesting or attracting that future reality into your current reality by that process while also establishing a healthy mindset so you're doing all that at once and you're also just you feel better so you're retraining your mind you're manifesting abundance for yourself you're centering yourself in on presence and gratitude it's just a win all across the board Hmm. and when your mind goes nice try you suck you go start step one again and you repeat
0: (laughs) i love that brilliant just a quick question on the visualization thing that you were talking Mm -hmm. about totally new. i haven't heard that before the idea of so you said the three scenarios how does that work
1: so the the visualization is a component that basically many people believe that this entire reality on a quantum level, I can speak about this, but you can look into like the double split experiment or Masura's water experiment too. But basically, everything is based on our emotion. And I know this is a long winded kind of answer, but it's going to help everybody grasp this more. On a quantum level, the particles, atoms, and stuff are basically just in this standby wave like complexity, they're basically in a wave pattern. When we place observance on them, they become particles. So what they're saying on a quantum level that our, our reality is just kind of waiting for our observance, our observation to be placed on it. And then it will act like a particle. So if we do that based on our emotion, what we think, what we feel, what we believe, what we say, our action, we're actually on a quantum level creating a particular reality for ourselves which is all about you know law of attraction and manifestation so science is basically proving what these gurus and sages have said for for millennia and so with visualization they're saying that our reality is based on our subconsciousness so if i tell you to take a nice deep breath right now close your eyes and Picture this, okay? Do it with me. You want Let's to try it? Do it.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna try it okay. right now.
1: So I want you to take a nice deep breath, close your eyes, and then visualize yourself standing at a market. And there's this big bin of lemons right in front of you big, juicy, yellow lemons, and you pick one up and you squeeze it. And it is juicy, you know, where it's not real firm and your fingers are dipping in and the dimples are there. And you take this lemon and you bring it up to your mouth and you take the biggest bite you possibly can. And that sour explosion erupts in your mouth. The juices are flowing down the side of your mouth. Your mouth is puckering up with all this. You're kind of like shaking your head back and forth. You can't take it. It's so much sourness and now open your eyes did you get that tingling of sourness in your mouth a little bit of that experience by closing your eyes and visualizing that
0: yeah like salivation or
1: yep and you feel the sourness are you by chance were you biting a lemon just now so you experience the (laughs) physical manifestation of that experience through the imagery of your mind So the subconsciousness doesn't know the difference between reality and the imagined. And so when we take ourselves into a visualization, it thinks we're experiencing that. And through the laws of attraction of vibration, we attract that, which we are. So if we're experiencing that really great event, that dream job, running that successful business, waking up and being excited for work in the morning, whatever it is, we start to tell our subconsciousness that is our life that is what we are experiencing and it it thinks that's what we're experiencing and then it starts drawing that into the now Mm -hmm. this house that that woman that's downstairs my little boy i did all this stuff through visualization i would see myself traveling with her falling in love being vulnerable having a woman who really appreciates me even though i'm a a widower and, and having all that come together and i would visualize us having these experiences together and meeting somebody super profound and beautiful and having a house and you sit in there and you pick three different scenes and you just auto loop those things in. But the important part is to feel the gratitude that you are experiencing that event, that you are growing and thriving through that experience. And then you're basically working to train your mind one to latch onto that, the subconsciousness which manifests like 95% of your reality and it goes, well, that's your life. So that's what will be drawn into it. And then you just keep working at it and you'll see your life will absolutely transform. And science is proving this. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's remarkable what's going on with that. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to like share something with that you want.
0: I want to next year host wellness retreats from my home.
1: Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to script out to get a pen and a paper, right? And you're going to write out. Do you see how how like I, I we're both with partners? But do you see how cute and vulnerable and everything you became when you answered that too? It was like this <laughs> yeah. dream. You're just like, okay, this is what I'm gonna, you know, like a little girl. Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, it's so innocent and pure. So, so true. you're gonna take take that energy. And poured into this practice. You already felt encouraged. And actually, I feel like you felt a little bit like um, sustained from that desire. Like you just knew that would be so rewarding. You already felt that gratitude for it. You can tell in, in your expression beforehand. So take that energy and pour it into this exercise. Script out what you would feel like hosting. Okay, and then do three scenes. All the the women or the men around the the Tibetan singing bowls, uh, you know, meditating, doing yoga in the morning, pick out three scenes and write them out and see yourself walking through everybody as they're meditating and you're guiding them and feel like you are just channeling this beautiful spiritual energy into them and the atmosphere, pick another scene. And then basically when you come into a visualization, and you're meditating and you have a long day, you're going to go to bed in four hours. Right before you go to bed, what you're going to do is right before you fall asleep rather is that you're allowing yourself to kind of get cozy. I do a regular mindful meditation where I'm training my mind to be very thoughtless. And then I allow myself to dip into a visualization because I'm trying to access a particular brain state alpha, which then leads into theta and then into Delta, the deep sleep. So that's our subconsciousness, the alpha, the gateway to the subconsciousness there into, into theta too. So right before you are getting a little sleepy, you read what you wrote down. And more importantly, mo- most importantly, how you feel through that experience and embody those same feelings and then visualize yourself in first person. Don't see yourself walking through the meditation space. Walk through the meditation space. Look at your hands, look at the people there. And then jump from one scene to the next and allow yourself to keep doing that loop until you fall asleep. But there may be other things that you want too. but like this retreat, just see, see it happening every single night and allow yourself to fall asleep. And then in the morning, if you normally get up at 7 AM, set an alarm for 645, a secondary one or primary. And then as soon as that alarm goes off, hit off because you know, you have the backup at seven and allow yourself to go back to sleep and start visualizing that too. And you're still using yourself in that state of theta or alpha, and you're using that subconsciousness and it's really moldable in that time. Like this is really powerful because if we're waking right now, like the lemon experience, we're in beta. So we're not really directly activating that subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And so you do this and then every day you ask yourself, Hey, what can I do today to make that retreat happen? And then you do that step and every day keep asking yourself that and your mind is going to F with you. I'm not going to swear cause I'm a nice guy, but it's going to totally F with you and be like, yeah, but you're not good enough here. There's all these things to, to work out. You, you can't do this. You don't know anything about that. What if other people judge you? What if they try to criticize you? And then you follow those steps you go, we don't project a negative future, only a positive one. And you'll train your mind to relieve yourself of negative thoughts tethered to this experience. And then you just become this train, this speed, this flying bullet towards that reality. And you're attracting it and you're actually manipulating the reality around you to formulate into that while you're speeding towards it.
0: And it's beautiful. That is so beautiful, Joe. And everyone uh, listening, I want you to give that a go with me. Let's get sp- experimental. Because, yeah, absolutely. Right, And then I can use this clip and then in six months time, I can say thanks, Joe. <laughs>
1: yes. I'll send you a little bill, you know, to your yeah, house, yeah. of course. You know. <laughs> But you're doing so well. It's so much abundance and people are paying so much money. It won't be no problem. But yeah, so I have all that stuff too, just because there's guided meditations and everything on my YouTube channel. So just a little bit about that, just if people want, you know, that kind of more in-depth experience for their specific stuff. I have a membership online. I do mentorships one-on-one and they have very, very particular goals of healing, a lot of people want to heal from some stuff from a toxic mind and then of course being successful in in future ambitions and stuff. So I do all that on the one-on-one basis. I have that membership in YouTube, TikTok, you know everybody's got to have their content now, but I love pumping out you can see just free stuff because I know it's going to help somebody. Yeah. And, yeah, so well, it's out there it's, if you need any more of it
0: it's helping it's obviously what made me contact you too and i think that <laughs> what you, you just so shared much. is brilliant so yeah um, of course and
1: let me know if you have any questions i love i love you could see this is like i'm i'm jazz i could literally you could be like well yeah we, we decided to have a five-hour podcast with joe actually you know so <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true and while i think i'll have a lot of questions maybe i'll come on to that later because i want to finish yeah. up with a final fast few for sure uh, so the first thing i wanted to ask is is there something that you used to believe that you no longer believe
1: yeah it it was just basically a fear-based mindset i gave into the fear i gave into all the reasons why something wouldn't work out all the reasons why i was not good enough all the reasons why life sucked and so i believed all that stuff Like I literally believed it and I would sulk in it and I would marinate it and I would express it to others and I would talk about it and I would feel it and think about it and you don't have to, you can choose what you want to believe. It's just a matter of training yourself on how to do that properly and efficiently and effectively and your whole entire life will change because Mm -hmm. you become what you
0: believe. And side note, does it get quicker and easier? with practice and time
1: yeah yes and no so it's, life is kind of like an obstacle course where you may make a really great understanding with something and you'll effectively grow and so that is like have you ever seen American Ninja Warrior or one of those uh, shows where the, the guys or the gals go through the obstacle courses yeah, yeah, yeah. and they progressively get kind of more challenging if you will well that's what life is But if you see each obstacle as a lesson, an opportunity for your own growth, where you're like, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to be better, bolder, faster, quicker, wiser. I'm going to be more compassionate. I'm going to love myself more Then every lesson becomes not a struggle, but a gift. You just have to have that elevated perspective. And you say, this is a really challenging season, but. Man, I'm really growing through it. I'm really mastering some stuff. So it will get easier in a sense that the things that used to trouble you don't as much, but then new things will surface because the entire ego's based reality and and entire existence is based on keeping you in fear. But you're going to keep conquering different aspects of fear and making really great progress over here and over here and over here. And it's kind of like... I call it the ego attrition. Little by little, that presence of negativity of fear is dwindling. And so it's like this one beautiful horizon is, is was once black and white, this picture of a sun setting into the ocean. It's just glorious and, and dripping in color is now has a dimmer switch and it's elevating from black and white to colors. And you're getting new colors and pops and this and that. It's so a little by little, your perspective is just growing with that and stuff gets more beautiful. But the challenge is sometimes, I'm not gonna lie, like they'll come into your space and they'll be harder because they're later on in the obstacle course. So they're exactly. meant to be so that you can grow through them.
0: Step up. Yep. Yeah. Second, what is one quote or affirmation that resonates with you that you'd like to share?
1: Um so I guess it just all depends on what I always kind of shoot from the hip when I am give people affirmations, depending on what they're going for to tailor, make that experience for them. But literally you, you can choose to believe something beautiful about your life and yourself. And that belief will manifest into reality. So be, be very, very cautious about what you believe. And so uh, off that, just say, I love this for for my clients is I am loved and I am worthy of love and I'm grateful for that peace and presence. Mm -hmm. I am loved and I'm worthy of love and I'm grateful for that peace and presence.
0: Love it. (laughs) And last, what is one piece of advice that you would give to our listeners who are on or want to embark on this journey for inner healing or higher consciousness?
1: There's... Two aspects of like mindset and living life. There's what you think and what you feel. Really, when it comes down to it, and the thoughts we think a hundred thousand thoughts a day. They they say check in with how you feel. I believe we're tethered to something much larger than ourselves, uh, some divine force and source. But that like, if you wanted to drive to Scotland and you wanted to just put Glasgow. Into your GPS, you wouldn't map out all the steps, right? You would just go to Google Maps, put that in, jump in your car, and go. And whatever the route was, you know that that was the best route because it's tethered to a satellite that has a higher perspective than your own. And you're trusting that satellite. Our emotion is tethered to that higher perspective. So when we feel good about something, when we feel excited, happy, elated, just pleasure. That's the gas pedal lean into that experience. But if we don't feel good about something, we feel worry and angst, anxiety, depression, sadness, fear, just any fear-based, that's the steering wheel. We need to redirect and you need to steer yourself until you're aligning with feeling good. And then we hit the gas and we lean into that. And that is your higher self guiding you through life. And if you go on those two emotions, you'll go through what you're supposed to, and you will ascend. You will ascend that summit of, of your existence. And so if people be like, cool, I don't know what that means. One question to ask yourself, <laughs> in a sense, they're like, yeah, well, I feel like crap now. So what? What do I do now? <laughs> ask yourself yourself. If you knew you're going to pass away in six months, what would you regret not doing with your time here? And that will tell you exactly what you're supposed to do right now and Mm -hmm. put your energy and your investment into. What would you regret not experiencing, not doing with your time? And most people have like a, this, bam, it's kind of instantaneous. And that is your Consciousness, your spirit saying, Well, that's what you need to do. Yeah. And so that's where to start. And you yeah. say, Okay, what does the first step look like for that? And you take that step
0: love it and love that you actually said six months there because when we often hear this it'll be what if you died today five years <laughs> or, no i hear it more oh, yeah. In, yeah i hear it more in like the today and i just think oh yeah, yeah, yeah so dramatic mm-hmm. because i absolutely wouldn't do any work i would obviously be doing fun yes. stuff with the people i love most but mm-hmm. i think in capturing a little bit more time there as you've described it gives space to really to really question what brings you joy and what makes you feel alive and what really lights you up internally. And I think if you can think on those little things, you'll have clues, of course, even if it's not your professional work, it might be that moment you had here that you want to make your professional work or,
1: Or yeah. just like to go bungee jumping in Machu Picchu, like something, it doesn't even have to be like this fulfilling True. endeavor. It could just be an experience that you've always wanted to do. I want to ride a white horse bareback down the beach in Puerto Rico. It's like, then go do that. And Side then when you note, do that- Side note,
0: that just made me think of Vladimir Putin because I'm pretty sure that's what he did. So. <laughs> Except
1: for he was bareback on the horse, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well I guess he asked himself that question and that was his his response and he did it he <laughs> Any people anybody can do it you know
0: that's it that's it well yeah. Joe thank you so much for your time thank today you and everything me. that you've yeah. shared it was a it was a real treat and now you forced me into this I do my wellness retreats now that I've declared it and had that movie. yeah yeah
1: I know I, and it's on like it's on gonna be on everything I, I'll I have the recording you're probably gonna share with me so yeah. now we, we have the bait is she gonna do it people let's tune <laughs> in this yeah, week's yeah. episode yeah
0: (laughs) thanks so much i love it
1: no problem thanks for having me